Chapter Fifty Three of Queechy by Susan Warner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Abigail Rasmussen. Chapter Fifty Three, Fleda alone on the Isthmus. Use your pleasure. If your love do not persuade you to come, let not my letter. Merchant of Venice. On the way home, Mrs. Rossiter and Fleda went a trifle out of their road to say good-bye to Mrs. Douglas's family. Fleda had seen her aunt Miriam in the morning, and bid her a conditional farewell, for as after Mrs. Rossiter's sailing she would be with Mrs. Carleton, she judged it little likely that she should see Queechy again. They had time for but a minute at Mrs. Douglas's. Mrs. Rossiter had shaken hands, and was leaving the house when Mrs. Douglas pulled Fleda back. "'Be you going to the West Indies too, Fleda?' "'No, Mrs. Douglas.' "'Then why don't you stay here?' "'I want to be with my aunt while I can,' said Fleda. "'And then do you calculate to stop in New York?' "'For a while,' said Fleda, colouring. "'Oh, go long,' said Mrs. Douglas. "'I know all about it. "'Now do you s'pose you're a-goin' to be any happier among all those great folks "'than you would be if you stayed among little folks?' she added tartly, "'while Catherine looked with a kind of incredulous admiration "'at the future lady of Carleton.' "'I don't suppose that greatness has anything to do with happiness, Mrs. Douglas,' said Fleda gently. So gently and so calmly sweet the face was that said it, that Mrs. Douglas's mood was overcome. "'Well, you ain't a-goin' to forget, Queechy,' she said, shaking Fleda's hand with a hearty grasp. "'Never, never.' "'I'll tell you what I think,' said Mrs. Douglas, the tears in her eyes answering those in Fleda's. It'll be a happy house that gets you into it, wherever tis. I only wish it want out a Queechy. Fleda thought on the whole, as she walked home, that she did not wish any such thing. Queechy seemed dismantled, and she thought she would rather go to a new place, now that she had taken such a leave of everything here. Two things remained, however, to be taken leave of, the house and Barbie. Happily, Fleda had little time for the former— it was a busy evening, and the morning would be more busy. She contrived that all the family should go to rest before her, meaning then to have one quiet look at the old rooms by herself, a leave-taking that no other eyes should interfere with. She sat down before the kitchen fireplace, but she had hardly realized that she was alone when one of the many doors opened and Barbie's tall figure walked in. "'Here you be,' she half-whispered. "'I know there wouldn't be a minute's peace to-morrow.' "'so I thought I'd bid you good-bye to-night.' "'Fleda gave her a smile and a hand, but did not speak. "'Barbie drew up a chair beside her, and they sat silent for some time, "'while quiet tears from the eyes of each said a great many things. "'Well, I hope you'll be as happy as you deserve to be,' "'were Barbie's first words, in a voice very altered "'from its accustomed firm and spirited accent. "'Make some better wish for me than that, dear Barbie.' "'I wouldn't want any better for myself,' said Barbie determinately. "'I would for you,' said Fleda. She thought of Mr. Carleton's words again, and went on in spite of herself. "'It is a mistake, Barbie. The best of us do not deserve anything good, and if we have the sight of a friend's face, or the very sweet air we breathe, it is because Christ has bought it for us. Don't let us forget that, and forget him.' "'I do always,' said Barbie, crying. "'Forget everything. Fleda, I wish you'd pray for me when you are far away, for I ain't as good as you be.' "'Dear Barbie,' said Fleda, touching her shoulder affectionately, 
I haven't waited to be far away to do that. Barbie sobbed for a few minutes with the strength of a strong nature that rarely gave way in that manner, and then dashed her tears right and left, not at all as if she were ashamed of them, but with a resolution not to be overcome. There won't be nothing good left in Queechy when you're gone, you and Mrs. Plumfield, without I go and look at the place where Hugh lies. Dear Barbie, said Fleda with softening eyes, won't you be something good yourself? Barbie put up her hand to shield her face. Fleda was silent, for she saw that strong feeling was at work. I wish I could, Barbie broke forth at last, if it was only for your sake. Dear Barbie, said Fleda, you can do this for me. You can go to church and hear what Mr. Olmley says. I should go away happier if I thought you would, and if I thought you would follow what he says. For, dear Barbie, there is a time coming when you will wish you were a Christian, more than you do now, and not for my sake. I believe there is, Fleda. Then will you? Won't you give me so much pleasure? I'd do a'most anything to do you a pleasure. Then do it, Barbie. Well, I'll go, said Barbie. But now just think of that, Fleda, how you might have stayed in Queechy all your days and done what you liked with everybody. I'm glad you ain't, though. I guess you'll be better off. Fleda was silent upon that. I'd like amazingly to see how you'll be fixed, said Barbie, after a trifle of ruminating. If twant for my old mother, I'd be almost a mind to pull up sticks and go after you. I wish you could, Barbie, only I'm afraid you would not like it so well there as here. Maybe I wouldn't. I spect them English folks has ways of their own, from what I've heard tell. They set up dreadful, don't they? Not all of them, said Fleda. No, I don't believe but what I could get along with Mr. Carleton well enough. I never see any one that knowed had to behave himself better. Fleda gave her a smiling acknowledgment of this compliment. He's plenty of money, hain't he? I believe so. You'll be sought up like a princess and never have anything to do no more. Oh, no, said Fleda, laughing. I expect to have a great deal to do. If I don't find it, I shall make it. I guess it'll be pleasant work, said Barbie. Well, I don't care. You've done work enough since you've lived here that want pleasure to play for the rest of your days, and I'm glad, aunt. I guess he don't hurt himself. You wouldn't stand it much longer to do as you have been doing lately. That couldn't be helped, said Fleda. But that I may stand it tomorrow, I'm afraid we must go to bed, Barbie. Barbie bade her good night and left her. But Fleda's musing mood was gone. She had no longer the desire to call back the reminiscence of the old walls. All that page of her life, she felt, was turned over, and after a few minutes' quiet survey of the familiar things, without the power of moralizing over them, as she could have done half an hour before, she left them, for the next day had no eyes but for business. It was a trying week or two before Mr. Rossiter and his family were fairly on shipboard, Fleda, as usual, and more than usual, with the eagerness of affection that felt its opportunities, numbered and would gladly have concentrated the services of years into days, wrought, watched, and toiled, at what expense to her own flesh and blood Mrs. Rossiter never knew, and the others were too busy to guess. But Mrs. Carleton saw the signs of it, and was heartily rejoiced when they were fairly gone and Fleda was committed to her hands. For days— Almost for weeks, after her aunt was gone, Fleda could do little but rest, and sleep, 
so great was the weariness of mind and body and the exhaustion of the animal spirits which had been kept upon a strain to hide her feelings and support those of others to the very last moment affection's sweet work had been done the eye the voice the smile to say nothing of the hands had been tasked and kept in play to put away recollections to cheer hopes to soften the present to lighten the future and hardest of all to do the whole by her own living example as soon as the last look and wave of the hand were exchanged and there was no longer anybody to lean upon her for strength and support fleda showed how weak she was and sank into a state of prostration as gentle and deep almost as an infant's as sweet and lovely as a child too mrs carleton declared her to be sweet and lovely as she was when a child and there was no going beyond that as neither this lady nor fleda had changed essentially since the days of their former acquaintanceship it followed that there was still as little in common between them except indeed now the strong ground of affection whatever concerned her son concerned mrs carleton in almost equal degree anything that he valued she valued and to have a thorough appreciation of him was a sure title to her esteem the consequence of all this was that fleda was now the most precious thing in the world to her after himself especially since her eyes sharpened as well as opened by affection could find in her nothing that she thought unworthy of him in her personally country and blood mrs carleton might have wished changed but her desire that her son should marry the strongest wish she had known for years had grown so despairing that her only feeling now on the subject was joy she was not in the least inclined to quarrel with his choice fleda had from her the tenderest care as well as the utmost delicacy that affection and good breeding could teach and fleda needed both for she was slow in going back to her old health and strength and stripped on a sudden of all her old friends on this turning-point of her life her spirits were in that quiet mood that would have felt any jarring most keenly the weeks of her first languor and weariness were over and she was beginning again to feel and look like herself the weather was hot and the city disagreeable now for it was the end of june but they had pleasant rooms upon the battery and fleda's windows looked out upon the waving tops of green trees and the bright waters of the bay she used to lie gazing out at the coming and going vessels with a curious fantastic interest in them they seemed oddly to belong to that piece of her life and to be weaving the threads of her future fate as they flitted about in all directions before her in a very quiet placid mood not as if she wished to touch one of the threads she lay watching the bright sails that seemed to carry the shuttle of life to and fro letting mrs carleton arrange and dispose of everything and of her as she pleased she was on her couch as usual looking out one fair morning when mrs carleton came in to kiss her and ask how she did fleda said better better you always say better said mrs carleton but i don't see that you get better very fast and sober this cheek is too sober she added passing her hand fondly over it i don't like to see it so that is just the way i have been feeling ma'am unable to rouse myself i should be ashamed of it if i could help it mrs evelyn has been here begging that we would join her in a party to the springs saratoga how would you like that i should like anything that you would like ma'am said fleda with a thought how she would like to read montpool for saratoga 
the city is very hot and dusty just now very and i am sorry to keep you in it mrs carleton keep me love said mrs carleton bending down her face to her again it's a pleasure to be kept anywhere by you fleda shut her eyes for she could hardly bear a little word now i don't like to keep you here it is not myself i am thinking of i fancy a change would do you good you are very kind ma'am very interested kindness said mrs carleton i want to see you looking a little better before guy comes i am afraid he will look grave at both of us but as she paused and stroked fleda's cheek it came into her mind to doubt the truth of the last assertion and she ended off with i wish he would come so fleda wished truly for now cut off as she was from her old associations she longed for the presence of the one friend that was to take place of them all i hope we shall hear soon that there is some prospect of his getting free mrs carleton went on he has been gone now how many weeks i am looking for a letter to-day and there it is the maid at this moment entered with the steamer dispatches mrs carleton pounced upon the one she knew and broke it open here it is and there is yours fleda with kind politeness she went off to read her own and left fleda to study hers at her leisure an hour after she came in again fleda's face was turned from her well what does he say she asked in a lively tone i suppose the same he has said to you ma'am said fleda i don't suppose it indeed said mrs carleton laughing he has given me sundry charges which if he has given you it is morally certain we shall never come to an understanding i have received no charges said fleda i am directed to be very careful to find out your exact wish in the matter and to let you follow no other so what is it my sweet fleda i promised said fleda colouring and turning her letter over but there she stopped whom and what said mrs carleton after she had waited a reasonable time mr carleton what did you promise my dear fleda that i would do as he said but he wishes you to do as you please fleda brought her eyes quick out of mrs carleton's view and was silent what do you say dear fleda said the lady taking her hand and bending over her i am sure we shall be expected said fleda i will go you are a darling girl said mrs carleton kissing her again and again i will love you for ever for that and i am sure it will be the best thing for you the sea will do you good and ne vous en déplaise our own home is pleasanter just now than this dusty city i will write by this steamer and tell guy we will be there by the next he will have everything in readiness i know at all events and in half an hour after you get there my dear fleda you will be established in all your rights as well as if it had been done six months before guy will know how to thank you but after all fleda you might do him this grace considering how long he has been waiting upon you something in fleda's eyes induced mrs carleton to say laughing what's the matter he never waited for me said fleda simply didn't he but my dear fleda i said mrs carleton in amused extremity how long is it since you knew what he came out here for i don't know ma'am said fleda but she became angelically rosy the next minute he never told you no and you never asked him why no ma'am he will be well suited in a wife said mrs carleton laughing but he can have no objection to you knowing now i suppose 
he never told me but at the latest you must know fleda that it has been my wish for a great many years that guy would marry and i almost despaired he was so difficult to please his taste in everything is so fastidious but i am glad of it now she added kissing fleda's cheek last spring not this last but a year ago one evening at home i was talking to him on this subject but he met everything i said lightly you know his way and i saw my words took no hold i asked him at last in a kind of desperation if he supposed there was a woman in the world that could please him and he laughed and said if there was he was afraid she was not in that hemisphere and a day or two after he told me he was going to america did he say for what no but i guessed as soon as i found he was prolonging his stay and i was sure when he wrote me to come out to him but i never knew till i landed fleda my dear any more than that the first question i asked him was who he was going to introduce to me the interval was short to the next steamer but also the preparations were few a day or two after the foregoing conversation constance evelyn coming into fleda's room found her busy with some light packing my dear little creature she exclaimed ecstatically are you going with us no said fleda where are you going then to england england has i mean is there any addition to my list of acquaintances in the city not that i know of said fleda going on with her work and you are going to england greenhouses will be a desolation to me i hope not said fleda smiling you will recover yourself and your sense of sweetness in time it will have nothing to act upon and you are going to england i think it is very mean of you not to ask me to go too and be your bridesmaid i don't expect to have such a thing said fleda not horrid i wouldn't be married so fleda you don't know the world little queechy the art de vous faire valoir i am afraid is unknown to you so it may remain with my good will said fleda why said constance i have never felt the want of it said fleda simply when are you going said constance after a minute's pause by the europa but this is a very sudden move yes very sudden i should think you would want a little time to make preparations that is all happily taken off my hands said fleda mrs carleton has written to her sister in england to take care of it for me i didn't know that mrs carleton had a sister what's her name lady peterborough constance was silent again what are you going to do about mourning fleda wear white i suppose as nobody there knows anything about you you won't care i do not care in the least said fleda calmly my feeling would quite as soon choose white as black mourning so often goes alone that i should think grief might be excused for shunning its company and as you have not put it on yet said constance you won't feel the change and then in reality after all he was only a cousin fleda's quiet mood sober and tender as it was could go to a certain length of endurance but this asked too much dropping the things from her hands she turned from the trunk beside which she was kneeling and hiding her face on a chair wept such tears as cousins never shared for each other constance was startled and distressed and fleda's quick sympathy knew that she must be before she could see it you needn't mind it at all dear constance she said as soon as she could speak it's no matter i am in such a mood sometimes that i cannot bear anything don't think of it she said kissing her 
constance however could not for the remainder of her visit get back her wonted light mood which indeed had been singularly wanting to her during the whole interview mrs carleton counted the days to the steamer and her spirits rose with each one fleda's spirits were quiet to the last degree and passive too passive mrs carleton thought she did not know the course of the years that had gone and could not understand how strangely fleda seemed to herself now to stand alone broken off from her old friends and her former life on a little piece of time that was like an isthmus joining two continents fleda felt it all exceedingly felt that she was changing from one sphere of life to another never forgot the graves she had left at queechy and as little the thoughts and prayers that had sprung up beside them she felt with all mrs carleton's kindness that she was completely alone with no one on her side the ocean to look to and glad to be relieved from taking active part in anything she made her little bible her companion for the greater part of the time are you going to carry that sober face all the way to carleton said mrs carleton one day pleasantly i don't know ma'am what do you suppose guy will think of it but the thought of what he would think of it and what he would say to it and how fast he would brighten it made fleda burst into tears mrs carleton resolved to talk to her no more but to get her home as fast as possible i have one consolation said charlton rossiter as he shook hands with her on board the steamer i have received permission from headquarters to come and see you in england and to that i shall look forward constantly from this time End of chapter fifty three